0: Hey everyone, just a heads up, you'll notice some minor differences in the audio this week. In particular, a little bit more crosstalk than usual. Just had to use the backup audio file, so it is normal. We'll be back to our normal conversation next week. I promise we interrupt each other all the time. You just normally don't hear it. But uh, it was a fun conversation this week. Hope you enjoy. The Data Reaper podcast
1: is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at vicious syndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone
0: game. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Data Reaper Podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by Shadowcrafter Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Oh man, I'm so tired, but I'm here. This is the conclusion of my work week. I finally get another day off and I get to talk to you. We're delaying the podcast because uh, the my work schedule has been crazy for reasons outside the scope of this show. But uh, we are going to get it out to you on Sunday the 9th. So thank you so much, everyone, for being patient because we have a lot to talk about. The format's diversity may or may not have been overstated or rather maybe you just broke it again with the perfect thirty. I don't know. I wouldn't we'll say it was overstated. That.
1: I think the format is still very diverse. It's just that there are two decks that are just better than everything else. Uh Yeah. That's 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 it. I like the nickname by the way, Hat Shadowcrafter Zako. That suggests that I'm very
0: overpowered. Yes, and you're very crafty. I'm overpowered. Yes, I'm crafty and overpowered. Good. Yeah, just like um, rope. So, we'll talk about it. Uh so next week's Podcast will be on Saturday the 15th, assuming no more work changes for me. However, next week's report, we don't know if it's going to be Thursday the 13th or not, because there's a chance. There's been no official confirmation, no comments, not even a tweet. But there's a lot of, uh, what do the kids say, copium or hopium, that there will be patch notes on Monday and Nerf on Tuesday. If that is the case, we will not have a report. If there are no patch notes, then there will be a report. Remains to be seen, but we'll find out, uh, well, Monday at 1 o'clock. Eastern time or ten AM uh Pacific time.
1: Yeah. I mean they were back uh from the holidays last week, so uh there is an assumption that there's something this week, but I don't know. We'll
0: we- see. We usually get a teaser tweet by now. We haven't, but also I, d- I can't remember if that's like a master's tour thing or an ALEC thing or an, they always do this thing, but we have, it's radio silence right now. Their typical timeline involves they get back to the office, they have a meeting beginning of the week, they figure it balance, they submit it for localization, takes about three four days. So that means that usually it's about a, a seven to nine days-ish, about seven business days. From getting back to getting the balance patch out the out the door. But we don't know what's going on there. And we haven't heard anything. So it's all rumors and speculation right now. I mean if it's not this week. Then it has to be. Like there has to be something happening within the next two weeks for sure. We just don't know when yeah. exactly that is. So we should talk about why we think there is going to be a patch soon. Beyond the fact they do it normally. Uh, when you look at the the graph In the Vicious Syndicate Report, number 217, there's a a chart that indicates power, uh, the meta score, the power score, and the frequency. And boy, there's this big black dot in the top right corner called Thief Rogue. Tell us about that, Zach.
1: Yeah, so what ended up happening is, you know, we posted uh the... Meta breaking list in the previous report and told people, hey, you should got you got you guys should run double preparation in your thief rogue because preparation seems to be a very good card. It turns out it's it's a better card than I even thought in terms of how much the deck gets better, thanks to preparation. Um, all of its matchup seems to be improving, uh, and even though it was like. A couple of cards, right, of uh, refinement. Uh, the, the, the difference is so dramatic that Thief Rogue improved in its performance uh, relative to every other deck in the field. Uh, other decks only stagnated, uh, figured themselves out, and didn't show further scope for improvement while, while Thief Rogue was just entering its final form. And uh, the, the the deck was already quite good. Right in its previous iterations, and now it's just over the top. Um, it's very dominant. Uh, the, the thing that is, uh, I think, the trigger to potential balance changes and why we need to address this deck is that it doesn't even lose to the defensive text that you know we thought may be able to develop an edge against it because, um since you run double preparation, then your Edwin is insane. Like, the like, if you're oh, playing yeah. against Fel Demon Hunter, for example, this is something that I noticed. Fel Demon Hunter had, like, a favorite matchup against T-Frog last week, and now it's, like, 50-50 because uh, what the what the Rogue just does, they just play Edwin and step it, and then play some cards, buff it in hand, and then they go Edwin smite and... OTK off of uh, an empty board, right? The Fel Demon Hunter cannot heal in that situation very effectively. They cannot uh, a talented Arcanist Fel Scream Blast uh, the Rogue's board and and gain like a bunch of life, and the Rogue just goes um, from 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 thirty to zero. Um, and they can do it with Wicked Stabs. The Preparation also helps with that, thanks to Scabs. They they can have like fourteen mana. <laughs> In the late game. uh, To execute that kind of combo. And it's a a very realistic combo. That Thief Frogs at high levels of play. They execute in some matchups. Um, It's something that's definitely available to them. And that just makes removal. Far less effective. Um, Thief Frog is very good in the early game. Uh, Its strategy relies on developing early game initiative. But it also has an extremely powerful late game. uh, That can just destroy, demolish our strategies that give it too much time to execute that kind of stuff. So the only deck that really can stop Thief Rogue and consistently beat it is Handlock, and that's because not only does it have the removal uh, necessary to deal with Thief Rogue's early pressure, mid-game pressure, they also have really good counter-pressure. Uh, and they don't give the thief rogue time to execute that kind of Edwin smite stuff very consistently because scavengers comes down and flesh giant comes down. And if the rogue plays scabs to bounce all these uh, minions back to hand, then they, they're easily replayed, right? Because they're, the, the handlock's threats don't actually cost mana. So that's the um, the main thing to keep in mind. But Handlock itself has its own issues that prevent it from really taking over and suppressing Thief Rogue. So Thief Rogue is just perpetually in a position where it's just far better than everything else. And you can see that, you know, a Top Legend, people usually play the stuff that actually works, right? There's there's less, uh, there's experimentation, but uh, experimentation falls off fast if it's not proven to be good. And usually at Top Legend, you see the, t- the best decks. People are playing the best decks. Especially now, ladder matters for competitive play. Uh, so people are try-harding and try-harding is playing Thief Rogue uh, or Rogue in general. Or Musaki. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about Rogue is that Poison Rogue is, is almost as good uh, in terms of its power. Yes, it, it, it has more counters, I would say, than Thief Rogue but a lot of Historical counters are no longer effective against Poison Rogue because of Shadowcraft of Scabs. Because uh, Thief Rogue's big weakness uh, since its inception has been big boards. Uh, they cannot deal with a uh, wide development of a board if they if they face a bunch of 8A taunts like Librem of Hopes and stuff like that. They really can't get through. And now they just Shadowcraft to Scabs and everything is reset and that buys them the extra turn that they needed to just finish off opponents. And the other thing about Poison Rogue is that they can just kill you from 30 without swinging a single weapon to your face. Because late game, if they draw their whole deck, they turn into Gorob Rogue. They just go Guild Trader into
0: discounted spells from Blackwater Cutlass, Sinister You said strikes. late game, you mean turn 8, right? That's late game?
1: Yeah, uh, late game they go, uh, you know, Shadowcraft those scabs, right? So they have like on turn eight they have ten mana, and they just go Guild Trader, Sinister Strikes, Wicked Stabs, Garrotes. uh, swing with their Silverleaf Po uh poison, and they go, they go nuts from like thirty to zero. Um, so even if you go against Poison, when you bu- play a bunch of taunts, right? L- let's say you wall them really hard with taunts and they can't hit your face if your pressure isn't enough to kill them and it's hard to kill them right because they draw their whole deck which means they're going to draw their cloak of shadows which means they're going to be invulnerable for multiple turns and then they scabs you and it just makes uh that kind of strategy like impossible to consistently uh, beat um and yeah it's just too powerful uh the thing that bothers me like personally and i've heard the sentiment you know i've had uh, i've seen contrasting sentiments some people are saying thief rogue is the worst this is worse than evolve shaman or such and such like i generally really don't disagree with that take i think thief rogue is a a fine deck like if the deck was lower powered like had just a a little bit lower power level. I think it would be a fun deck to to play and to play against. I don't, really don't mind queuing into Thief Rogue. Uh, even, uh, like, I've had a lot of... I, I, I'm enjoying Hearthstone, even though this deck is supposedly a Tyrant. I really don't mind queuing into Thief Rogue because their game plan is kind of... It's Hearthstone-y, right? Uh, it's it's a deck that the, the, I think the most frustrating thing about it may be is you know the early null high variance element of that uh, especially in uh, initiative focused matchups where the null can just end the game uh very early on and it feels like uh they run away with it and and yeah the late game they do have that edwin smite combo but it's not like it happens every game it's not like they're consistently executed without right they need some pieces they need to draw their scabs on time. they need to draw some of their other pieces on time. It's not yeah. super consistent to the point where you can really call it like it's not really a combo deck, but it's poison it rogue is, is another not, story
0: yeah, poison rogue is is very different, and just in terms of how much player agency there there feels like there is. And because cloak cloak scabs is such an unbelievably frustrating play pattern, though I do I do want to point out what you said about thief rogue is that w- the frustrating thing, the thing about thief rogue is every every matchup, no matter who you play against, they have something that they are frustrated by from thief rogue, but they're all different things based on what you're playing, and that's a pretty clear indication the deck is probably too good at too many things. Because uh, if you're playing a minion deck, you really don't like dealing with the uh, with the gnolls. And if you're playing a late game deck that's all that's removal heavy, you really don't like dealing with Edwin Smite. And if you're playing, a you know, a, a board flood deck with like a Paladin or whatever, with a bunch of minions and, and buffs, then you don't like dealing with scabs. Nobody likes dealing with scabs. But yeah, but, but the thing is, every matchup of Thief Rogue feels different. Yeah. The deck is dynamic. It's interesting. It's fun. It's it's not what it does. That's the problem. It's how good those things are. So, like, if No was a little smaller and a little slower, then, like, okay. I think Null just needs
1: to be a little slower, and that's it, and that's fine. Uh, and Scabs is a strong consideration. Like, I don't know, they have been you know last patch they people were like i was also saying you know some of these hero cards are kind of busted and what they ended up doing they ended up buffing two hero cards that just weren't busted enough right uh instead of nerfing other hero cards so i'm not sure if they're gonna nerf scabs but uh the point is that Thiefrog is a dynamic deck that plays can play very differently in different matchups and it's just too good at certain things to make it really powerful but let's say if thief rogue was a 51% win rate deck i think it would be a very healthy deck in the meta on the other hand you have poison rogue which is a super binary deck in terms of all of its matchups it forces the opponent to do th- the same thing regardless of what deck you're playing when you queue into a poison rogue you have to do the same thing against them it doesn't matter what strategy you're, you employ because they are super, super, super focused on just one particular strategy. And they only win through that one particular line of play. And it's a very boring thing to consistently face. And it's a very frustrating thing to attack against. You know, you can still lose to them even if you Viper them. Because of their all over-the-top burst damage through Guild Trader. And their um right, so it's just it's just super binary uh it's like mozaki mage like against mozaki mage is the same thing every single strategy in the format is forced to play the beatdown role against mozaki mage because no strategy can outlast uh, the kind of damage that they can consistently dish out as early as turn 6 7 depending on how many Encanter flows they played and how many siphon manas they played So So for me, in the current format, I'm far more frustrated or my experience of Hearthstone is soured more by Muzaki Mage Poison Rogue than Thief Rogue. Thief Rogue, yeah, it's it's too powerful. But do I feel like I don't have agency when I play against them? No, I do have agency. Uh, You can clear the threats, you can stabilize your health total, you can put taunts to the point where their smite cannot get through... There are all sorts of ways to counterplay. Um, you can put the you can wait for the scabs, you can force the scabs. I think one of the things that are a little bit underrated in terms of playing against Thief Rogue is kind of the tension of when do you develop your your threats against the scabs. You kind of want to force them to scabs and then play your threats. Like if I'm playing Quest Shaman and I want to play charge called and I wait for the for the scabs to come down and then i charge call and put my develop my colossus uh that kind of there is decision making there is actual decision making there are actual matchup considerations when you can against deepfrog and then when you play against poison mozaki like put as many stats on the board as much as possible as hard as possible hope they don't have cloak right hope they don't have cloak into cloak into scabs And hope you somehow deal enough damage to them that they fold. Um, And you have to do that regardless of what deck you're playing. So to me, I'm not a fan of that. That's like an understatement. I think these decks are highly egregious in how they play, and they just don't need to be, they shouldn't be this popular. Uh, Thief Rogue, I can live with if it was a 51% win rate deck. Poison Rogue, if it was a 51%. Uh, fifty-one percent win rate deck, and still was like eight percent of the field. I I wouldn't see that being as okay. I don't think that that's a deck that should be in that spot. Um, so th- those are kind of my thoughts. Uh, just because of um, the dynamics in playing against these strategies are very different. So even though I expect nerfs to thief rogue, and they should they should happen. Um. I don't mind if those are light touches just to put this deck in line. When it comes to Poison Rogue, the chains of invulnerability, they have to go. They some Something needs to be done about Cloak cloak into Scalps, where you're just sitting there and you can't play Hearthstone. And something needs to happen with Mozaki Mage, where you queue into them and they play Cantor's Flow on turn three, or they coin it out on turn two, and you know that you now have about four turns to kill them. Or the game is over. They play in Flow on three, which means Muzaki, when it's drawn, turn six, turn seven, you are dead. 100% dead. It's, there's not even a debate about that. So I think that is something that is not
0: okay. And that's something that should be addressed. An important thing to note, something that I've noticed people talking about in a bunch of different forums, is why is Poison Rogue so much better? Oh, it's because of Scabs. That's, that's for sure part of it. But part of the reason why Mozaki, Mage, and Poison Rogue have gotten so much better is because when you only nerf a few of the Solitaire 5, as we've called them, and two of them were actually potent anti-combo decks, then you run into this because Cel- Celestial Alignment and Glide held back these strategies in a pretty major way
1: yeah it's because you what ended up happening is the tricky part when you have Solitaire five is that if you nerf if you don't nerf all of them, then you're making whatever is left over stronger. I, I fully predicted that if they didn't nerf Mozaki Mage alongside the other Solitaire decks, that it would be a stronger deck. And yes, people are playing counters and this is something i I, I want to touch upon. If Poison Rogue wasn't in the format, in its current prevalence and popularity, Mozaki Mage would be a tier 1 deck. So when people say, oh, Mozaki Mage is just tier 3, a top legend, it's strictly because of the Poison Rogue matchup. The Poison Rogue matchup brings him down by 2-2.5% two, two win rate. By itself, because it's a 90-10 matchup. You switch up that 90-10 matchup into a 50-50 matchup, not a not not a favorite matchup. Let's say we pretend Poison Rogue doesn't exist and the meta um, on average goes 50-50 with Mozaki Mage. What is Mozaki Mage win rate right now? Tier 1. So so if we need Poison Rogue to exist to counter Mozaki Mage and prevent it from being a tier 1 deck, then we have a problem, right? Also, if you're nerfing Poison Rogue, which you should, you cannot leave Mozaki Mage alone, right? Because it's the one thing that prevents it from being a Tier 1 deck. Like, imagine this format. Are you shuddering, Hat? Muzaki Mage Tier 1 deck. What do you think happens to the format? It would be unbearable to, to, to consistently queue into 15%. Imagine 15% Mozaki Mages.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, shouldn't be. I play at weird hours of the night, so I queue into Avaline a lot on on America's Ladder. So I kind of have that right now already, and I'm kind of good. I'm kind of all set. And you were not kidding, by the way, about ninety ten. I'm. This is the first time I can remember. I think seeing single digit matchup percentages on our chart. No, it happened before. I've website. seen it before. Oh yeah, but on I- on I've our website right now, it says eight point four percent win rate from Ozaki Mage against Poison Rogue. 8- eight yeah. percent. It's ridiculous. Yeah, because you can't do it, like, uh, the Muzaki Mage cannot do, like, the
1: Muzaki Mage is a super binary deck that can only do one thing. And if that one thing is countered, then they cannot function. Because because the thing is, it's not just that Poison Rogue deals the damage faster. Poison Rogue also has Cloak. So if they get Encanted Slaw on three, then the Poison Rogue know, oh, I'm just going to Cloak on six, and I'm going to Cloak on seven. And we're going to have two turns where the Muzaki mage cannot do anything, cannot execute their own combo. And by that time, they're dead, right? We're getting to turn eight. Poison Rogue always kills the opponent by that point, if not earlier, right? Um, so that is, matchup is super binary because it's it's piloted, controlled by two super binary decks that can only do one thing. Uh, and they have absolutely no versatility. Uh, whatsoever if you want to call the growth win condition in the late game the guilt Trader burst versatility then i don't know what to tell you but uh, poison Rogue can only do one thing which is over the top damage
0: yeah the weapon is really just an engine for cutting class at this point it almost doesn't matter taking and viper might technically make your matchup better but not enough to actually make it like a good matchup because counter pressure just doesn't matter the same way web tech has never made a a matchup that
1: felt terrible feel suddenly good right sometimes you're going to play handlock and you're going to play viper in your handlock because you don't want to die to the poison rogue and sometimes you're going to play viper and you're going to raise that 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 viper and replay it and that can buy you enough time to kill the poison rogue that's going to affect the matchup it's going to make it better but is that an experience you want to regularly queue into in hearthstone i don't think so so yeah. uh, if we have a situation where Poison Rogue and Mozaki Mage are pillars of the format, then we are in a big, big problem. Now, with that being said, that's the biggest issue I have with the meta. And compared to the hordes of Celestial Druids and life Lifesteal Demon Hunters and Garot Rogues that we saw before the patch, then this is maybe considered an improvement, but um, we still need to to fix this Again, Thief Rogue, put it in line, make it a good deck rather than a deck that's clearly better than everything else. And I'm pretty sure that the experience of playing against Thief Rogue will be far better and complaints about it will pretty much die out. Because I think at the end of the day, the deck plays a game of Hearthstone. And the decks that refuse to play Hearthstone, you want to address them. Because Mozaki Mage and Poison Rogue are Extremely resource-focused to the, bo- to the point where they have absolutely zero interaction or 0.1 interaction with the board. Like, Muzaki Mage's sole interaction with the board is finding two health things to siphon mana. That's pretty much the only thing they care about when it comes to board, and
0: Poison Rogue even less so. Uh, especially with Cloak, Cloak, Scabs
1: uh, kind yeah. of line.
0: I think what made me realize that it's truly problematic is that Wildpaw Caverns, the four-mana objective that makes freezy elementals every turn, if you don't bloom it out, it's not good enough against Poison Rope. If you just play that on curve, even if you coin that out on three, nowhere near good enough. They get in a swing, then they don't care about it anymore, and then they still cloak, cloak, scabs, and when they scabs, they unfreeze. So they just don't care. You can play the thing that makes freezy minions every single turn for free. And unless you play that on turn one or maybe two, it is not good enough.
1: No, it absolutely isn't good enough. You can't lifesteal off of Poison Rogue because they don't play minions, because they have no inter... Like, yeah, it's just... Yeah. Their entire game plan is is heavily, heavily situated, off
0: board, and I think that's a problem. Well, and Zach, we've been very consistent about that on the show. We've been crapping on this deck well before it was actually good. You never want this deck to be tier one. I've said it like eight months ago. Yeah. Watch out
1: for Poison Rogue. If this deck ever becomes tier one, we're in a problem. It's not like this is something that pops out of uh, out of th- thin air. We've said this for a very long time, that this kind of strategy cannot be powerful and prevalent because, you know, you want to have... Again, you, you want to have decks at different ends of the spectrum. Some of them care more about the board... Some of them care less about the board, more about their resources. I think that's okay. But when you have a deck or two decks in the format that don't care at all about the board, that have zero care about the board and are all about
0: whatever is in their hand or weapon buffs and whatever, I think that's a problem. Well, and, and we remember why, why Poison Rook started to see play in Barons, right? To beat Spellmage.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's always been the because it doesn't play minions, so the mage can't use its removal, right? <laughs> the thing about the matchup is that these are this is a matchup between two extremely resource-focused decks that only do one thing, are very binary, right? And if in that situation where you have two extremely binary decks playing against each other, the superior strategy will have a highly favored matchup. It will be a highly favored matchup because there's no counterplay. Like, Spellmage cannot be the beatdown ever. This is a shell of a strategy that cannot ever be the beatdown because it literally cannot play minions on the board. It cannot pressure through the board. So if it's faced with a strategy, like Celestial Droid was the same thing, where they do their own thing as well. They're also a solitaire deck, but their superior strategy ends up countering your strategy Then you're just a sitting duck. Like, these kind of decks that are extremely binary always end up with polarizing matchups because if you can counter the one thing that they do, then they're just a sitting duck. They they can't do anything. And this is what you kind of have with these matchups. A lot of the matchups between the Solitaire 5 were extremely polarizing as a result. Uh, And you generally don't want that to be a popular thing in the format. So you did a good thing. You nerfed Celestial Druid. Look at the space that opened up Druid strategies. Like, There's so many things that people are now experimenting with Druid because ramping actually matters. The thing that, that I think isn't highlighted enough is the fact that now Celestial Alignment is gone. Ramping with Guff actually matters because if you're a Druid deck that wants to ramp to post turn 10, right? And you face in Celestial Alignment, then what are you doing? What are you ramping for? They're just going to alignment everything into one at one cost, so your ramping doesn't matter. But now your ramping actually does matter. So in a way, the nerf to celestial alignment was a buff to ramping, to guff, to classic general ramping. Uh, you open up space within the class by nerfing its cornerstone card. Uh, so this is something that I think just needs to be done across the board. Um and you know, Mozaki was left alone, and now it's just it's just out there gatekeeping. So just get rid of it, honestly. Uh, yeah. Same for Poison Roll. If if they and- if they address these two decks, a lot more space will open up. There, there's a there are a lot of strategies that right now aren't powerful, mostly because they just they don't kill opponents by turn six. So Mozaki Mage matchup
0: is not going to be good. There's all right. We're going to (sighs) breathe. Breathe out. That is the negativity that we have released from the beginning of this episode. But Zach, I think both you and I... is it negativity? Is it really negativity? I don't know if negativity is the word. uh, uh, Those are the concerns that we want to share. That I think that everyone is pretty keenly aware of. However, Zach, I think both you and I are having a good time playing Hearthstone. I am. I am having a good time playing Hearthstone. I am having fun. That's the thing. And you said earlier, by the way, you said earlier that at High Legend people are queuing real decks. Speaking as a person that is not doing that, I queued, against, I queued at High Legend uh, very recently and I was playing Vandar Hunter and I ran into a uh, big demon hunter. And we were... I was 30 and my opponent was rank 14. There's still some goofy stuff going on up there.
1: Yeah, there's some goofy stuff, for sure. Um... I wouldn't even say it's that goofy. I mean, Vandar Hunter, a big beast hunter, is actually a pretty good deck outside of Top Legend. Um, where, you know, the Mozaki Mage and stuff. But yeah, I think the format is fine. If I queue up into three Poison Mozaki in a row, then that sours my experience more than anything. But honestly, I can queue into four Thief Rogues in a row, and I don't even mind it that much. Um... That that's my per- like. Some people disagree. Some people say that Thief Rogue is is a pro is like problem or whatever. I think the only problem with that deck is that it's a it's just too powerful. But if it was a fifty one percent winery deck, I think it would be fantastic for the format. But in any case, uh, that was uh, the Rogue discussion. And again, and when we when talk to space space within the Rogue class, like one of the things that is kind of disappearing is like Quest Rogue. And that's mostly because of the Poison Rogue matchup. You're looking at that. uh, 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 Quest Rogue cannot hope to have enough pressure uh, before turn 7 to kill the Poison Rogue opponent before they execute their own thing. So this matchup is super oppressive, which is kind of why you're seeing Quest Rogue disappear. If you nerf Poison Rogue, and to a lesser extent Thief Rogue, then Quest Rogue will probably come back. And be fine. It's not like the class is in any danger of not being relevant.
0: No, it is Quest Rogue going to qualify her today.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, when you have a ban available, then there's definitely um, more space open up for these kind of strategies that do worse on ladder. Though Quest Rogue does pretty well outside of the um, ranks where Poison Rogue is super popular. So that's Rogue, Druid, I touched upon it, super diverse class, tons of new strategies, tons of things opened up uh, because of the Celestial Alignment nerf. You're seeing all kinds of ramp decks, Uh, and the the most important thing uh, this week was the emergence of the Beast Druid deck, the one that No Hands Gamer popularized and and iterated on uh, uh, P.T. John's uh, um, new build. With which is more spell-heavy with Umbra Owls and such. Uh, this deck has great potential. One of the things that I think it does well uh, in terms of the Thief Rogue matchup is that, much like Handlock, it develops threats that cause zero, which means if Scabs bounces them back to hand, they're easily replayed. That's kind of a trending thing that people are trying to figure out, is play threats that are resistant to Scabs, because of how uh, warping the card is, so Beast does have that. Uh, it's still it's not going to beat Thief Rogue just because like it doesn't have removal. So if the Rogue gets ahead, kind of hard hard to control control. Um, but it is a good deck. Uh, it's definitely a good deck. Um, tier one potential, especially considering like it has like six cards that I want to cut and I can figure out what to put in instead. Because everybody like when everybody just copies the same thirty cards, it's hard to compare um with other cards and see what else could be good in this variant because this variant plays differently than the previous beast uh variant, but I do think that you know new iterations are coming up, and I'm optimistic that we might have some answers uh in the next report whenever that cu- whenever that arrives we'll figure out what kind of beast druid deck you want to play. Uh, but the no-hands variant, uh, it looks very good. It looks very promising, and it's all about figuring out six better cards. And considering it performs really well with six cards that I would rather cut, um, shows the potential.
0: Yeah, I've been enjoying watching various druid decks just kind of emerge this week, and druid is... I don't even know if I'd call it a mess so much like this this solar system of cards just orbiting around each other. It's really hard to keep track of what's going on here. It's not a mess. This is not Wildfire
1: Mage where builds are no. all over the place. Uh, druid is far more curated. It's just that there are a lot of different druid strategies, which makes you feel like it's a mess, but it's actually pretty organized. Um, there's a new ramp druid deck that runs like... Um, Malagos an and an abominable uh, lieutenant usually like one of yeah, they all all the ramping druid decks seem to run abominable lieutenant it's just they're they it's running like Omu and Cold Tooth Mine so you always find the Malagos yes. um, which might might make that card better I personally think that Malagos is one of the most overrated cards in the format over the last year for sure the amount of times that people shove Malagos into a deck and I evaluate it to be trash, is probably the
0: highest number out of any other card over the last year. Why are you subtweeting Jombre? Why are you doing that to Jombre? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Come on. That was a personal attack. Uh, I... <laughs> no, but
1: the thing is, maybe if you run uh, like a spell-heavy build that's really cheap and easy to get things out of hand, right? Um, and you always draw Malagos, so you don't have to run like glowfly swarm, uh, fungal formations, and such. Then maybe that works. Um, the general problem with Malagos is that it costs four mana, so it's kind of reliant on you ramping, finding your best cards. And if you're in a position where you're already ramping and found your best cards, then it kind of feels like you're you're not really turning L's into W's, right? you're turning Ws into harder Ws. That's kind of the issue with Malagos, uh, has been. But this new build with Omo and stuff, that could be, that's interesting. I'll look into it. But uh, there are all sorts of druid decks running around. Um, You know, clown druid, people are not interested in playing clowns, but they're actually pretty good. I will say that ramping druid decks got worse uh, over the last week or two. Mostly because Wild Panels hurt, right? Beast Druid is also a very hard counter to the Ramping Druid Ducks because they cannot deal with, like, copied Matriarchs and stuff like that. Uh, it's exactly the kind of... Beast Druid presents exactly the kind of board that Ramping Druid Ducks just
0: cannot handle. We've seen this before, right? The fast Druid beats the slow Druid. Like, that's, that's, not, a, that's, that's not a new thing. Also, we should probably take a minute, if we're talking about overrated things... We should talk about Quest Druid. Should we? Should we actually waste time playing uh, talking about Quest Druid hat? We have to warn people I don't know. This is grade <laughs> A high quality FDA approved bait, if I've ever seen it. Uh, it's a,
1: one of the biggest baits I've ever seen. You know it's bait when Monsanto starts to tweet lists about it.
0: He blew uh, yeah. me out, by the way. He had uh <laughs> he had he had Samuro, <laughs> Solar, and Mark. And cleared my board when I was playing Beast Druid because he's just, he's just, that's a grandmaster right there. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you know
1: the Samuro is cute, but it's just indicative of the deck's issue, which is dying to minions. So people are starting to buy like Samuro Iron Bark in order to deal with that, but those cards are horrible, and a lot of other matchups are just not relevant. I mean, if you want to do well with Quest Druid or do better than it normally does and run overgrowth i really don't understand why people are resistant to playing overgrowth in a deck with wild hard guff where you're playing capture cold tooth mine to consistently draw wild hard guff and it's like it's like you un they understand that ramping is really important for this deck yet somehow don't put overgrowth in this deck i i i'm i I don't get a hat I don't understand. It,
0: Why is Overgrowth a card that's a debate? For anyone.
1: In a uh, ramping are, Druid deck.
0: <laughs> I think it's a reasonable question. There are a lot of unanswered questions around Quest Druid. Uh, and I think it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. I mean, future.
1: there are a lot of... No, no. All the questions regarding Quest Druid are answered. The main one is Quest is quest Druid good. The answer is no. That's the main answer. So I don't know... Uh, I think there are yeah. more left things unanswered
0: than Beast What do you what do you run instead of the bad cards? Yeah. Um there are a lot of there's there's a lot of experimentation there. Are you supposed to run Vibrant Squirrel? Are you supposed to run Ram Commander? Should you run Kazakus or Park Panther or No Force at all? Uh there's a lot of really interesting questions around it and it's been fun seeing the development. There's not really a consensus list in the in the VS Discord this week. Someone made a deck list that was titled Druid Sideboard Cards of cards that you could run in Druid that they may or may not run right now, and it was 30 cards. It filled the whole thing with 30 cards that you would consider running right now. That's interesting to me.
1: The amount of iterations of Beast Druid I've seen in the Vicious Syndicate Discord is just ridiculous over the last week. Oh, and yeah. everybody is asking me, "Zag, is this good? Is this card good? I don't know. Nobody's playing it other than you. How am I supposed
0: to tell? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So Druid, I think Druid's in a fine spot. One last thing on Druid though. Uh by the way, uh, uh Battleguard main druid, you can still play that and win some games. You can still do that. Yeah. Uh I mean it won a qualifier, uh Pascua, it won two. Won,
1: uh, uh Lucas, um uh from the Pascoa practice group. Um kind of like before that point before before uh, Lucas actually won that qualifier, Pascoa contacts me, asks me, um why do we run? Uh, do we still run Mark of the Wild uh, in in Tondroid? Should we still run it with with uh, with Iron Deep Trog? And I'm like, oh. I mean, they haven't found nobody's found better cars than that, and you know, you still run Doggy Biscuit with Iron uh, Face Hunter in uh, in order to buff Iron Deep Trog. So that's probably still fine, and seems like it was fine.
0: It it is still very very good.
1: It's just less interesting than Beast Druid. Everybody's hyped about Beast Druid. And to be fair, I understand it, right? Because if you're sure. if you want to beat Thief Rogue, you're not gonna do it with either deck. But Tondruid falls over to not uh Walpanol, just completely gets destroyed by a single WAPANO. And Beast Druid is like okay. That's bad for me, but I can steal power spike later. Uh with Oracle Matriarch and maybe do something that the rogue cannot handle.
0: Yeah. Your early board isn't quite as vulnerable. It's more interesting. It's newer. It doesn't run Drekthar. It is kind of amusing to me that the Beast Druid deck does not run Claw Fury Adept, but the Taunt Druid deck does, because everyone thought that was going to be the best beast, and it it definitely like, it just doesn't have the synergy in the beast druid deck. The deck doesn't aggressively go wide early, which means
1: that a depth doesn't
0: make as much sense. Okay. It's, it's fascinating to me. But we should talk about Shaman as well, which has all sorts of stuff going on. Um, all should... sorts of stuff, but again,
1: because that diversity is being hurt a bit because Thief rogue is too popular. So yeah. some of the decks you're seeing that struggle with Thief rogue kind of fall off a bit. Not not even in terms of uh, win rate yet throughout ladder, but Top Legend, you really feel it. Like Elemental Shaman, for example, got a lot worse at Top Legend over the last week just because of the explosion of Thief rogue. Right. Yeah. And you're seeing like Evolve Shaman, which we saw a lot of promise in, is doing far worse um because of Thief Rogue. Because their board is not gets destroyed by scabs, right? Uh, you've got the beast route and the handlock that, that can easily replay threats, but you know, evolved dumb fat things um that don't have discounts um mm-hmm. are vanished by the scabs and you really cannot replay them. So
0: yeah, like, really if you cheat out and you evolve a Gnoll into a Deathwing and then you put it back in your hand, like, <laughs> alright, I guess I'll wait a few turns. It's, yeah, I it, guess I'm dead. I yeah, guess I lose. You also
1: that's, that's, don't
0: super want to Revolve Gnolls and Double Agents. Like, you don't really want to Revolve those. No. You only want to use Revolve aggressively in that matchup.
1: And, like, Tiny Toys Revolve it happens exactly at
0: the turn that Scabs comes online. So that's a problem. What a, what a sad story. But Quest Shaman, I think, is the Shaman deck I want to talk about the most because it seems really good right now.
1: I mean, Boner and Quest Shaman seem like the best Shaman decks, at least where the meta is most developed, Yeah, uh, because they're more rogue-resistant, right? They have pretty good game against Thief Rogue. Uh, not counters, but they have okay matchups, or it feels like uh, at least 50-50, if not a little bit more than that. Um you know bowlner shaman uh I think the deck is you know the the late game win condition can be pretty relevant in some matchups, but a lot of times you don't win through the o t k with bonner Yashiraj, you just win with damage sometimes they just sometimes you just throw dunk text face with like a no taker and you keep throwing dunk tanks and you just yashiraj like three dunk tanks and you finish the game with that you don't even need the bulner. Sometimes you just win with aggression through uh, Wildpaw Cavern. Um, Sometimes you just win by controlling and removing and stalling and freezing and winning through uh, Snowfall Guardian. Like the deck can win in multiple ways. And the OTK plan is mostly relevant for like the Paladin matchup and maybe in the mirror and maybe another slow match. Maybe Handlock can be relevant. Maybe you stall enough against them, though that can be tricky. Yeah, Feldh. It's yeah, Feldh. It's a very versatile deck. It can win in a lot of different ways, uh, so it's very interesting to play. I find it to be very, um, uh, to be a very fascinating. Playing a lot of top level players agree and think the deck is very interesting, and the deck is quite good as well. It seems to be capable of doing well, even though the meta is very rogue heavy. Uh and then Question is probably my favorite deck right now. Uh I've had like I, I I'm at like 18-2 over the last couple of days with it, like like 90% win rate at top thousand legend on bo- both servers. Uh I really like the build that we have in the report. It does really well for me. It does well for everyone who's playing it pretty much. The Brukan, there's there's a big you know Brukan conversation. Why won't like people are cutting Slogger? You're seeing people cutting Slogger and running Brukan. Here's the thing about Brukan hat that I think people need to understand: it costs eight mana in quest shaman. Eight mana is a lot. You need to have a really really good reason to put an eight mana card. In question if you draw this card early it is so dead it is so dead this deck really needs all of its cards to c- proc quests this is something that we understand in all of the quest decks that need things to proc like you're looking at a pirate warrior it just wants to run pirates it barely wants to run cards that don't proc the quest you're playing quest rogue you're playing nearly every possible card that
0: can either play an SI card or replay an SI card. Our 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 quest warrior list has amalgam's in it because yeah, they're Yeah, because pirates. we want to proc quest. Yeah. Uh, quest hunter wants to run every single spell
1: that deals damage because it wants to run as many cards as possible to proc quest. And this is not there's no difference here with question. The only cards that Quest Shaman runs and comfortably runs that don't proc quests are the win- is the wind Chill Package. Because the wind Chill Package not only draws you cycles itself, which means you can stall and then find your overload cards, right? It also boosts your multicaster, which makes your card draw better so you can draw more, even more, and find more overload cards. So the entire function of the deck, when you look at the deck list in the report, is we either play overload cards or we either play cards that draw us overload cards. That's pretty much it. That's all there is to it. And Brukan is not that. Now, what is Brukan good against? What, like... Are people who are running Brukan is wire wrong about his assessment that Brukan is good? No, he's not wrong. Because if he queues up a top legend and he sees 50% of his matchups are Thief Rogue, it starts to make sense, right? It starts to make more sense uh, because Brukan is a really good card against Thief Rogue. Uh, the heal is very important. The, the AoE is very good. Uh, the the armor is nice. Like the repetitive removal and the taunts are really nice. Again, taunts are very effective against thief rogue because you wanna block the path of Edwin Smite coming down. You need to have you, you need to force the rogue to waste more resources uh, in order to clear your stuff before they're able to uh, get to your face, right? Because they have a lot of burst and reach late game. So having the heal is very nice. And the damage, you know, can also help in finishing uh, the opponent off. But it is one matchup, right? It's still one matchup. And if you go down to like 30% Thief Rogue, then it becomes not worth it. So Brukan, I looked into it, and I saw that even a top legend, it's questionable whether you actually want to run Brukan. And even players at top legend, on average, do better just running Slogger. Why is Slogger good? It's an Overload card. It's the most important card in the face Hunter matchup by far. If you don't run Slogger, the the Hunter matchup becomes that much worse. Also, uh, if we're looking a little bit outside of Top Legend, it's one of the best cards against Quest Warrior. If you don't run Slogger against Quest Warrior, your win rate is going to be worse. Um, But... It's good enough against Thief Rogue as well uh, to be very relevant. It's not like I'm situating on Slogger and I'm putting in Brokhan to make the Thief Rogue matchup better. No, you're not actually making the Thief Rogue matchup better. If you want to make the Thief Rogue matchup better, you run all three. right? Because if you're taking out Slogger to put in Brukan, you're kind of side grading here. Uh, it's not even... Like you're not even uh, making that particular matchup better. Um, So people don't like Slugger because it costs a lot of mana, right? Five on if if you don't unlock the overload, then it's five mana. It's a lot. But the card is
0: such a massive swing. Remember when people looked at it when it was revealed and they were like, "This card is broken." And now people are cutting it from the list, and it still it it still just does. And it's not correct. (laughs) Yeah, it's not correct to cut it. And even in the situations where
1: you want to run Brukan. I'm not sure Slogger is the one you want, to, you want to move out from the list. But it's a very tight list, to be honest. It is very tight. But yeah, Question Man is quite good. Um, you know, a lot of its matchups got nerfed. Its bad matchups got nerfed. You still, you're not going to do well against Mazaki Mage. Uh... <laughs> You run into that, that's a uh, that's that's tough. You don't have you, you're not ke- you're not capable of killing consistently by turn six seven. So you're not gonna have a good matchup with Mazaki. It's that binary. That's that's pretty much the question you want to ask yourself. Um if you're if you're capable of doing well against Mazaki Mage. So that that's is an issue, but you know, tier two deck does well. Um uh, has a decent matchup against Thief Rogue has pretty good matchups against like defense um uh, aggressive decks uh destroys paladin uh paladin is like that matchup is honestly so free uh feels very very free uh of of like I've faced the most insane paladin high rolls and still won uh because wind chills are a thing and charge call is super satisfying to play when you play in two uh, when you summon to ten drops you've got the dark moon rabbit. Which clears like the biggest threats, that's partly what makes this deck also good against druids ramping druids because what did they do against charge call? It's very hard to deal with like the the colossi and the lokthar, which is a big threat, and uh, like whenever they develop threats, you just dark moon rabbit and and clear uh so yeah, and I like the way that it wins uh it wins through board it's uh. Control it's, deck, you could say.
0: Uh, I, top I could threats. say that if I wanted to instigate a fight. But we're not here for semantic discussion. No, this deck that is packed full of removal spells, draws cards, and then wins with a big late game swing. Uh, I don't know what I would call that. I'm not even going to think about it. Not even going to think about it. <laughs> not even going to think about. It. Okay. No, yeah. it's 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 just like it it like it guides the course of the game in a specific way when it wins it like controls the outcome of the game but i don't know there's no real word for that so we'll just move on um but yeah it's you talked about bolner talked about an elemental shaman like elemental shaman doom shaman seems okay right it's just that the elemental
1: decks they get worse when the thief rogues are really really super prevalent because you know wailing vapor that kind of early game development if you're facing a null, you're going to have a tougher time. Um, so you're seeing the meta kind of warp into we're we're going to just let Thief Rogue have the early board, and we're going to try and attack it through different means. And most of what you see is ways to stall, remove, put taunts in the way, post Shadowcrafter Sc- uh, Shadow scabs, so the smite cannot hit face with the Edwin, and you put yourself in a in a healthy life total so that they can't kill you through like super upgraded wicked stabs and such. Uh, so if you can do that, then you can have a decent matchup against Efrog. So what you do with E-Frog, if you want to nerf it, <laughs> you hmm. either nerf Null so that other decks with an early game can actually have an early game against that deck and or nerf Scabs So that the card doesn't become doesn't stay too warping and you can actually develop threats before scabs. Because it is kind of stupid that you have this deck, supposedly an initiative focused deck, that has a combo win condition in the late game that removal defensive decks cannot consistently outlast. And also defensive decks cannot
0: play out their threats because scabs invalidates that. Well, they can't play out any threats that cost mana. If the threats don't cost mana, they're fine. But, like, Libra yeah. of Hope, gain your eight, and then put that put that big boy back in your hand. But you do it against a handlock, and they just they just spit that stuff out. You do that against Frostwolf Matriarchs or whatever. Then you just make a bunch of four or fives Yeah, next but
1: turn. those are really specific, Had. You're noticing these sure, are the really oh, specific
0: know. stuff, and other classes I'm not defending would like scabs. to play. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy to play into, into scabs. I'm just saying there is—the threats—you're you're fine against scabs if your cards don't cost anything. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, you're fine. So let's have everyone play threats that have no mana cost attached to them.
0: That is also not what I said. That is not what I said. I know I know what we're just, gonna do. I
1: know. I'm not strong manning you, hat. I'm I'm am I'm I am saying something uh so, so that it's heard. Yes. I'm saying well, something people. to the listeners so that they can think about why Shadowcrafter scabs might be a little bit of a problem. Just a little bit. For some reason,
0: Zach, I don't think that our listeners are going to argue with you on that point. I don't think too many people are going to be like, nah, it's fine. Uh, That's not not the sentiment I've seen around this card. Speaking of things things that are not fine, we already talked about Mozaki extensively in the mage class section. Are there any other mage sects you'd like to cover, or do you think that our prior discussion works here?
1: I mean, Mozaki is Mozaki, needs to be nerfed. Wildfire mage, this is not the meta for wildfire mage. That is a
0: very diplomatic of you. (laughs) I mean, it's not even, it's not, it's not that bad, honestly. Uh, It's just that. It's not that terrible. Just why would you play it? Why would you play it? Yeah. And the answer is because you want to play Mage and you don't want to play Mozaki. And like, okay, I feel you. Just prepare for a tier three win rate. Yeah, it's,
1: it's tier three. It's pretty comfortably tier three. Um, Sometimes it's worse than that, you know, on its bad day. It's a good day. It's comfortably tier three, but it's just not, not a good enough deck. Um, neither variant is is quite good enough. But, you know, another buff and maybe some balance changes, and I, I can see something happening yes. here. Yes, and, and the mini-set mini set... Copium.
0: And the mini-set Copium.
1: The, mo- the mini-set Copium, yeah. No, the thing is, it's clear that, like, if you're looking at the variants that we have in the report, There's some like the card quality isn't quite there right you need to run some some cards that aren't really worthy of constructed and you kind of need to run them because you want to fill 30 cards and if there were better things then you would run those better things so i think there's space for improvement there but but that's pretty much it i i don't i'm not liking wildfire too much um Hunter. I do like Big Beast Hunter a lot. I think this deck is underrated. I think the main reason why it's being underrated is because it's not particularly great in a rogue meta, right? It's not good in a rogue meta. We understand that.
0: Yeah. Decks with the word big in the name versus one scabby
1: boy. Yeah, yeah. No, the early Wampano's, you can't really do anything against that. You can't really do anything against Poison Rogue uh, consistently, like you can wall them, but doesn't matter. They don't care. Can still they ot- do not care. They, c- like, they can OTK whatever. you, even if you wall them after
0: scabs. They can still just kill you through guild trader. When groats. is the first turn they have to cloak against you? Turn eight. They d- they just do whatever they want for seven turns. They cloak you on eight and nine and then kill you.
1: Yeah, there's just like there's just no chance. Even if you Vandar
0: early. They're no, still very comfortable. Th- their goal is to cloak the crush turn. They got some time yeah, yeah. to breathe. Yeah, yeah. You're never getting crushed out in that matchup. <laughs> no. Well, you can get about is just it's not attacking.
1: Yeah, but the, th- the same thing uh, is true for Mozaki Mage, right? What do you do against Mozaki Mage as a big beast hunter? Like, you have no early pressure. Your
0: pressure doesn't come down early enough uh, for that to matter, so Yeah, I have experience in that matchup. S- I can tell you what you do, Zach. You take 30 is what you do. Yeah, yeah. That's the current game plan I've come up 50. with. Yeah, The game stops at 30 to let you out of your misery unless you play Tavish for some reason. Then it stops at 35. But that's the only game plan I found for that matchup. The reason to play Vandar Hunter, in my mind, is the proliferation of Druid because no Druid wants to deal with the amount of mountain bears that you put out. Uh, but all of the... Yeah, it is very decks. good against Druid. Yeah. I am optimistic
1: about this deck because if you nerf Thief, Poison, and Mozaki, then you nerf three of its worst matchups. And if people start after that, after those nerfs, people start running Ramping Druids more,
0: then Big Beast Hunter is looking good, right? Even, even uh, Beast Druid... It's not as aggressive as people think it is. This is not, not Battleguard Taunt Druid. It takes a minute to get set up. I, I mean, I what do you do against Mountain Bears? Yeah, I had a game where I was playing this deck. My opponent cast Arbor up on a board with five minions, and then the next turn my open the cages proc because my Mountain Bears were not gone. They punched through like so, they made so many attacks, and I just played Jewel again. They just left. Because What do you do? You just bring back Void Lords over and over again.
1: The Beast Dude matchup is not that bad. Uh it's it's actually pretty close. So the deck has pretty decent defensive tools. You just need to like you just need to delete the 2080 against Poison Rogue and uh, close to that against Mozaki Mage and uh, suddenly the deck is, is looking quite good against the rest of the field. And you're looking outside of Top Legend. Deck is pretty good. Deck is alright.
0: Um, if you're playing against well. minions you kind of want to be the hunter because you're like you're so annoying to play against with the amount of secrets that you have and the amount of taunts that you generate and if you ever get a chance to play Ickman in a board matchup do yourself the favor and have that experience because it is disgusting
1: yeah it's super good uh it's just a game ender and like against shaman let's say you're developing a bunch of threats and they snowfall guarding you I mean good luck hitting face with your snowfall guardian against mountain bears. Like what the hell do you even do? Like it's just yeah. Uh, there's a lot of it can it can develop a lot of pressure through the board around turn six, seven, eight. It's just that that's too slow for the current format, but I, I can see it changing
0: after balance changes. So surprisingly close to relevant.
1: Yeah. It's I think it's already relevant. It's just that it's not relevant at top legend where its worst matchups really come online and become super prevalent. Yes. Um, I can
0: tell you it is good against Big Demon Hunter though. That's a high legend matchup in my experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh Paladin. Um
1: no big developments in Paladin. I think um uh, obviously Libram is fine. It's Poison Rogue matchup is not as good as it used to be. It used to dom- dominate Poison Rogue. Now, not really the case. But it's a good deck. It has pretty good matchup against Thief Rogue. If Thief Rogue doesn't run Viper, which they shouldn't, but some people are doing that, then Cariel can end games. Uh, Cariel is a s- super busted hero card. Yeah.
0: What you know, I've been saying th- to people is that like Rogue doesn't lose to Paladin, but Rogue can lose to Cariel.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Carriol can just solo like something like Thief Rogue. Um It's just that Liban Paladin isn't too dominant in the format, so people are mostly talking about scabs, but Kariol is a super warping card. That's that's for sure. Uh anyway. Okay, Warlock. Handlock only counter the thief rogue. If you want to counter a thief rogue consistently, then this is the choice. The play but if you queue into poison rogues and mozaki mages then you're not gonna feel so good and and this is kind of uh the thing that i've mentioned in the report as well is that the format really even its only option of countering thief rogue is being suppressed by the presence of the mozaki mages and the poison rogues that don't really allow handlock to thrive and really assert itself um uh, so Thief Rogue uh, is do- dominance of Thief Rogue is perpetuated by the presence of Mazaki and Poison Rogue and Handlock is uh the one answer that is being kept in check here. Uh it's a very good deck. It's just it's a very good deck against everything almost, except for those two matchups that I just mentioned. So uh if you want to do well against in these matchups or better, you can run like neophytes they help, but. <laughs> they won't make that those matchups good all, all of a sudden. Fel Demon Hunter, uh, I hyped it in the last podcast. Now the hype kind of died out because though that matchup that, that Thief Rogue matchup really shifted to the point where Fel Demon Hunter does not reliably counter Thief Rogue, and when you add the Poison Rogue matchup, which isn't great, then you have a problem. Suddenly you're running into a lot of Rogues. Suddenly Fel Demon Hunter isn't great enough in, in a Rogue meta. So the stocks of the deck kind of fell a bit. Magtheridon is a card that's really good in a lot of matchups, but Rogue isn't one of them. So that card is looking like more of a tech card than a card that you really want to put in your deck right now. Maybe after the balance changes, a lot of things change. Imagine people are suddenly running Big Beast Hunter. <laughs> then uh. Magtheridon sounds like sounds like a plan. Um Right, if board threats matter again, right, and Shadowcraft of Scabs isn't as popular, then Magtheridon becomes
0: more relevant. Yeah, or Druids again, Druids, uh, ramping Druids, stuff like that. It's bizarrely relevant in the mirror because sometimes you need to give your opponent nine points of of health to expendable performers into.
1: Yeah, though you can't really do that in the same turn. So what they do is that they. They can kill their own <laughs> well
0: it's yeah, you need you need skull to line up pretty well, like it's rare, but it's not irrelevant.
1: No, no, no the thing the Metherridadon It's for paladins, for handlocks, for any like ra- uh, druids is pretty good against Druid too, both the beast and the ramping druids, uh those matchups where like they rely on threats that come from the board. If you're playing against Poison Rogue, then Magtheridon doesn't do anything, right? If you're playing against Thief Rogue, then maybe you clear their board, which isn't that big to start with, but then you get scabbed, right? So Magtheridon isn't isn't great in that matchup.
0: I use Magtheridon to dirty rat a shadow step in that matchup, because that's usually as good as it gets. Like they they feel compelled to, to waste a shadow step on one of the one threes so that I can't hot and that means they have one less shadow step to play with that usually feels like the best outcome of the card in that matchup and that's pretty sad yeah yeah um other than that Death deathrattle demon hunter got worse easier to understand
1: why it got worse when you're facing wild panels, uh you're gonna have a tougher time
0: as the deathrattle demon hunter not that it was really all that relevant beforehand
1: i mean it's a decent deck it's just low skill
0: cap and Blah, blah, blah. Very low interest level. Not quite Rush Warrior low, but pretty close.
1: Yeah, but is something... Are we ever going to see a deck with as low of a skill cap as Quest Warrior? I don't think so. Tier 1 outside of Legend, Tier 2 at Legend, Tier 4 at Top Legend. So,
0: fun fact, out of the first rounds of qualifiers that have been played, nine classes have claimed a win. Do you know which one has not? Warrior, of course. It is Warrior, yep. There was a Shadow Priest that won early on. Mazu was playing, uh, actually, dig Shadow Priest list. Pretty funny. Uh, But uh, Warrior has not gotten to the... Has not gotten to win yet, and all other... Nine other classes have. Yeah, I mean...
1: Warrior is trash. I don't know what to tell you. At top-level play, this deck is garbage. It's not even... It's not even like remotely competitive. The deck is just complete garbage. Uh, And it's hilarious, right? Because people are demanding this deck to be nerfed. Which is fair, because it's really good at lower ranks of ladder. And you don't necessarily want to just balance through top-level play. But, you know, in a way, I think that there is something that you need to keep in mind. Is that, like... Quest Warrior is a deck that you can really overcome with better play. If you become a better Hearthstone player, I talked about it last week, um, then you will do far better against Quest Warrior, and that deck will not become an issue with you. So if you nerf Quest Warrior, what kind of message does it send? Um, Like, let's say... Maybe you tweak it a little bit. That's okay. But let's say you heavily nerf Quest Warrior because of all the complaints about how oppressive it is at lower levels of play. You're basically kind of sending a message of like, hey, guys, you don't need to get good at Hearthstone, right? You don't need to improve at Hearthstone. If you cry enough about something, we're just going to nerf it. And the solution is not even that good because the same people who lose to Quest Warrior are just going to lose to something else after it's it's nerfed because the problem is not that Quest Warrior is overpowered. It is not. The problem is that these players are incapable of improving at Hearthstone or they 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 don't understand what they need to do to get better at the game to the point where they can just soundly beat Quest Warrior with a lot of different decks. Like, it's not warping. It's not limiting the format in any way. There are tons of decks that destroy quest warrior at high levels of play that when piloted well quest warrior is just hopeless against them a lot of them there is not a single deck deck type there are aggro decks that beat them there are defensive control decks that beat them combo decks beat them everything beats quest warrior as long as you know how to play the game and by and by knowing how to play the game you don't need to be an expert in hearthstone all you need to do is anticipate their highly anticipated minions on every mana slot and mana breakpoint, and play, make your play according to that to make their play as uncomfortable as possible. And if you do that, you will be in a position where you're ahead on the board when they need to play the quest reward when they land Juggernaut. And if you're ahead when they play Juggernaut, then you're in a really good spot. And. And then, you know, you see the justification of, like, no, but it feels really bad because sometimes you get smite randomly in the Goral off of whatever and you die from 30 life. Yeah, and sometimes Big Priest uh, gains uh, 40 armor in the game and lasts forever and empties your deck. So what? What does that even... What does that even say? Uh, The point is that nerfing a deck that's clearly unplayable at top-level play because people at bronze can't deal with it is not going to improve the experience for the bronze players because the bronze players are still going to keep losing Hearthstone games. They're just going to lose to something else, right? You can't nerf away. I I think Jesse Alexander said it really well. You can't nerf away Mad Cuz Bad because Mad Cuz Bad will persist in Hearthstone. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. If you're not good at Hearthstone, if you have no willingness to improve, you're just going to lose to whatever else. And you're going to cry about whatever else beats you. Today it's Quest Warrior. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. So what's actually the point of nerfing Quest Warrior? The only point, maybe, is for wild format. Maybe in wild, it's super overpowered, even a top-level play, and we need to address that. But for standard... I don't see a big justification to nerf Quest Warrior. And again, you can placate these people and say, you know, it's fair. We can nerf Quest Warrior because it's overpowered at bronze through gold or at platinum. But you still need to recognize that that's not going to make their their experience better in Hearthstone. They're going to keep losing and they're going to cry about whatever else comes next that beats
0: them. Um so I so, think yeah. the reason to nerf quest warrior and I don't know if they're going to I I, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to nerf it. I think the justification for it outside of wild would be disproportionate skill floor. If a deck overperforms relative to the lowest end of performance, the floor performance. If the if your average lower MMR player does so much better with quest warrior that players at that skill level cannot naturally find answers to it, then it distorts the lower end of the meta the way that we see we saw Garot Rogue, Rogue distort the higher end of the meta. Uh I don't yeah, know but if, the... I don't know if that's what's happening. I don't know if that's what's happening. But it the discussion reminds me a lot of TGT Secret Paladin. And that was a deck that didn't get nerfed but got rotated out of the format. But people really hated playing against it, but also a lot of other people really loved playing it. They got their first time legend with it. Because it was kinda hard to mess up and quest warrior has that appeal but also the the people playing against it say it always does the same thing and i can never figure it out and i don't want to compel players to either figure out how to get better or or admit that this is going to be their experience when there's the option to change it it's it's already a non-factor at the highest levels of play yes
1: but had you're going to nerf quest warrior and something else is going to come in and still beat
0: these players. They're not going to stop crying. I'm not going to say that players will stop losing. I'm going to say that I bet if they do Nerf Quest War, which I don't know they will, it's because they have information that shows that there is a disproportionate performance relative to the lowest skill bracket. It doesn't get worse the same way that other things do. And people will lose to good decks, especially good aggressive decks. And it just... If Quest Warrior is so on rails that it performs at a higher it, it, level it, it than game. it isn't okay. though. It
1: isn't though. I don't like, know. You could. I be would right. say that Libram Paladin at lower ranks is better than
0: Quest Warrior. It probably is, but it's probably a little harder to play.
1: No, because Libram Paladin in the Quest Warrior matchup, you can literally play the green card and beat Quest Warrior consistently with Libram Paladin. You don't have to be a genius to play that matchup as the Libram Paladin just win.
0: It's liber impelled doesn't have a card that you play on turn one that tells you what to do.
1: Yeah, but w- what does it matter? Because 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 it plays a quest in turn one. That's the thing. And people hate quest because because they have an irrational hatred for quests because because ugh,
0: because we've got herder game designers. Zach, I have a theory that at lower MMRs, quests are disproportionately both popular and people feel sick of them. Because the value in quests at lower MMR is that they are inherently proactive cards and lower MMR players often tend to play inherently reactive where they shouldn't and hyper-focus on value. Instead, the quest says, no, do the thing that I say. And the thing that they say is be mildly proactive and work towards something and that wins them games because it's a behavior that's not normally showcased at those, at those levels. So, Quest Warrior is about as proactive as it is. You know how to
1: lower the population of quest decks at lower ranks? just take out the weekly Stormwind quest uh, from the quest rotation. I I Complete don't think that would do it. a quest from Stormwind three times. I think times. the
0: people that like playing the quest really enjoy playing it, and I think they probably win more than they're used to winning, and I think that's why, why they keep playing it. why take it away from them? If if
1: somebody is winning with
0: Quest Warrior, and that's pretty much the only way that they can win and feel good about it, then let them play their, their Quest Warriors. If Team 5 is determining that it's a net negative at those ranks because it overperforms relative to skill and the if the worst player at those ranks does better than they're supposed to relative to the field and team 5 shows that it's a net negative experience that would be why they would change if it if it's a net negative experience
1: but there are also positive to quest warrior and sure. let me tell you what the positives are it allows
0: players who are not very good at hearthstone to still beat players who are better than them at the game which is why I'm not saying that we should commit to the idea that a nerf to Quest Warrior is coming and if they were to make one for reasons outside of this phenomenon of low MMR performance it would be for wild it would be for wild but I will say this I do think that nerfing Quest Warrior will do very
1: little will do very little to lower the complaints coming from the population
0: that complains about Quest Warrior they're going to find something else to be mad about that's all I'm saying it's if it diversifies the complaints, that would probably be considered a job well done.
1: Oh, really? We just want to diversify the complaints.
0: It's okay. if a bunch of different people all feel that something different is broken, then that usually means the system's working as intended. The The ideal thing they want as game designers is for everyone to think that the deck that that they are playing is the broken thing. You know what I've said before? What do people complain about? The decks that are popular. That's it.
1: Something yes. else is going to be popular instead of Quest Warrior. Maybe Face Hunter becomes popular at lower ranks. And then people will complain about Face Hunter, or they'll complain about Paladin, or they'll complain about. I don't think yes. that nerfing based on win rates at bronze through platinum is going to be a consistently good strategy. I think there is a good reason why Team 5 look at the, one per- the top 1% of ladder when they make balanced decisions. And it's not because they only care about those ranks. It's because it tells them more about actual issues in game design. And I don't think that Quest Warrior is an actual issue in game design. When everybody te- whenever somebody tells me that Quest Warrior is a fundamental problem because it has infinite value through Juggernaut, then that tells me that that person doesn't know anything about the game. A single thing. If you tell me that that is the problem with that deck because it has infinite value through juggernaut and it and for that reason it counters control then you sir have no idea what you're talking about when it comes to hearthstone
0: the only thing that i would say is that if there was a distortion of the meta that they were able to see and they decided to correct it no matter where in the meta that was happening i would understand it i don't know if they will do it or not but i could see it i could also see them adjusting it as well as if they nerfed a single pirate warrior card and then also like buffed hero Rokara to give other warrior strategies a little bit of room to grow you need to do more than that but in any case I don't really care I yeah. have very little I
1: have very little uh, investment in this in this particular issue whether they nerf quest, uh, pirate warrior quest warrior or not it doesn't matter to me at all I just see I just think from team fires perspective uh, is that they probably see very low upside to nerfing it because of the reasons that I mentioned. If they end up doing it, then it's fine. If they ended up not doing it, it's also fine. Doesn't matter if you want to nerf it, maybe the appropriate things to do is to target it when it comes to wild because in wild it might be an actual issue, um, in terms of prevalence and power throughout ladder. Uh, but again, it's like. Nerfing it for standard because people at Bronze are mad, that's not going to get you this, uh, these people to stop complaining about losing. I, I so, do
0: not anyway. think that any game designer that works in the Hearthstone team, or most teams, has any illusion that they will make people stop complaining with balance changes. Anyway. It really doesn't matter. You can nerf
1: a Quest Warrior and make it completely deleted so that Warrior doesn't have a single deck that's playable on the format. And you can nerf away the people who do play Quest Warrior and enjoy it. At low ranks, they play it. There's a reason this deck is popular. Some people like it and like playing it. So if you nerf that, you nerf those players' experiences as well. You have to take that into consideration. But whether you do that or not... Personally, I could care less because uh, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It really, I don't think, at the end of the day, whether they nerf it or not, I don't think it's going to have ramifications uh, regarding the future of Hearthstone in the next uh, 10 years or 4 months or 2 months even. Um, Priest. If you want to do well with Priest, you need to be very good at Miracle Priest. You need to be very good at Rally Miracle Priest. Um, that deck is okay but is it good is it a deck that's consistently strong not really um, Scabs is a problem turns out mm. Mm. Bloodweaver and Sethic Veilweaver and all that stuff and you start
0: elic mounting mount, stuff fire off the elic mount, and then get then you get that and, and Psych Split the... yeah, and then you get Scabs
1: yeah that's a problem So generally, Miracle Priest isn't looking great, and you know, Big and Quest Priest, you know, I wrote in the report, um, you know, expect Big and Quest Priest to see quite a bit of play, have a few people occasionally swear of their viability only to produce the same results every week. And following this report, we've had comments about how <laughs> these decks are actually viable and underrated, and they're actually good because I played this and this, and I went 60% win rate, and I got Legend with Big Priest or Quest Priest or whatever.
0: I got Legend with Priest this season. Mm, yeah, Shadow
1: priests, yeah. Maybe Shadow Priest, if, if people are interested enough to play in playing Shadow Priest, then maybe I can actually build a list, uh, a Shadow Priest list in the next report and actually feature it. Actually, the chances are increasing of that happening. Because it did well in the qualifier, I'm seeing yeah. more Shadow Priests compared to last week. I'm actually noticing it now. So, that increases the chances of actually featuring. And to and to, to be fair, Shadow Priest is not looking bad.
0: It looks yeah. very
1: competitive. Listen,
0: everyone knows that Naja Hexen is an insane rogue card, but would you believe that it's actually good in Priest too? Yeah, it's a really good card in Shadow Priest, turns out. Uh, Yeah, it's not just for rogues anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, not just for rogues, but in any case, yeah. Um, So next week, if there are no balance changes, report is as as usual on Thursday. If there are balance changes, we're going to take a break and the podcast will become a first uh, post-patch impression thing. We'll see what happens. Uh, Nerfs. I'm going to stick with my suggestions of last week and think that they're probably going to nerf Walpa Null. Probably goes to 6. Uh, I don't think the st- a stat change is going to do as much as a cost change. We need to delay the experience rather than make it at worse um, for the one playing the Null. Uh, then you need to look at Shadowcraft Scabs. I think they're going to dodge nerfing Scabs this patch just because they want to keep these hero cards good for at least the rest of this expansion and possibly only nerf them if they become too dominant uh, post-rotation. I think that's kind of their thinking. So if you do that, you have to nerf Cloak because you need to hit Poison Rogues, uh... Invulnerability chain, I like to call it, where they can just cloak, cloak into scabs, and nothing that you do matters. I think that's is a problem in terms of experience and power for the deck. And please, for the love of God, nerfing can slow to four. Just nerf Muzaki Mage. Just don't let that deck fester, especially if you're nerfing Poison Rogue. If they nerf Poison Rogue and they don't nerf Muzaki Mage, that will be a big mistake. So you have to address that. And if you want a nerf quest warrior, go ahead, be my guest. <laughs> it's, it it's not it's whatever. <laughs> just
0: I'll also just whatever. throw it out there. If Carriel ended up costing eight next week, I wouldn't be upset. That'd be cool. They're not doing that. There's no. I know way they're, they're doing not, that. but if they did, I'd be cool with it. I'm just I'm just giving them permission. They don't have to. But if they want to, and they want to yeah. throw, if, if they wanna didn't throw do it that
1: in. last patch, if they didn't do it last patch, and they ended up nerfing Banana Man instead, then they're
0: not doing a it dispatch. Uh, it's it's can... just when I look at the Mulligan win rate, and Carriel's the best card in the Mulligan in Liberum Paladin, which has a bunch of one drops. I'm like, maybe that's not how that's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, well, well I mean, by the same uh, logic, we can. I can also find uh, give you justification to nerf Cartrus right now.
0: It's, I think there is justification if you want to. That card's bananas.
1: Kurtress and Demon Hunter is more polarizing and powerful and ridiculous than Kyrion and Libram Paladin. Uh, the the dependency on drawing Kurtress, Demon Render, and Fell Demon Hunter far exceeds any other hero cards that I've seen in any other deck. So you can also find a reason to nerf Kurtress. You can also find a reason to nerf back... Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, Tavish.
0: Oh, ta- Tavish, yeah. Tavish, you can nerf Tavish,
1: you can nerf Tammy, you can nerf Varden. Uh, <laughs> you can nerf
0: all of them. They just seem to be overpowered by design. I don't know how... The difference that Cariel is a good card in a deck with a bunch of other good cards, that's not really the case with Kurtris so much. No, I don't agree.
1: I mean, Feldy is a good deck. I mean, once, you, once they play Kurtris, you basically cannot play board. You cannot give them stuff to run into with their expendable performance because then they OTK you. So how is that any different or less warping than Cariel's experience? These cards because... are super busted. I am not His gonna say is the cards are super busted. Ones.
0: They're obviously really good.
1: Obviously really good. I'm saying you you can find justification to nerf pretty much every hero card right now, which is why I think that they're, they're not nerfing hero cards.
0: You're probably Maybe right.
1: Maybe scabs next week. Maybe scabs Maybe next scab. week. But I wouldn't be surprised if they nerf around it again. Okay. Which I'm fine with personally. They're I'm not fine with gonna, they're not gonna nerf Guff. They're not gonna nerf Guff. No. Even though Guff is clearly the best card in a lot of decks that run Guff, it's, no, it's, yeah, they're
0: but they're not. The, after the new Guff Rune Totem Twitter account spun up, they can't touch him. They can't nerf him. No, he's untouchable. Yeah, he's a good boy.
1: In any case, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, honestly, whatever needs to be nerfed is not a difficult decision. I think the 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 nerf candidates are pretty clear cut, so I don't think that they're gonna mess that up. Um.
0: Yeah. I'm just straight so with your nerf to cloak. It's the the way that you would nerf cloak, I think you said move it to 4. I suggest this in my other podcast. I think that they should make it so it only gives you stealth on your turn. Oh, well, that sounds like a good nerf, hat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very keeps the card playable, uh, reasonable, yeah. Well, castable, not playable. You can cast castable. It.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. We'll see what happens. Just nerf Mozaki Mage. Please nerf Mozaki Mage. Please don't make the mistake of nerfing poison work without nerfing Mozaki Mage. Thank you very much, and good
0: night. Yes, and good night. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and extra special thanks to those of you that supported the show, our VS Gold, VS Silver Patreon members. Extra special. On top of that, to everyone that's still been supported this week, you're fantastic. You can look forward to the next report, well, maybe Thursday, maybe the following Thursday, but we'll have a podcast next week another way. Evil Dave, thank you so much for the podcast tra- transcriptions. Steven Sensei, thank you so much for the intro and outro, and we'll talk to you all soon.
1: The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at vicioussyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.